You're listening to Building the Broncos with Nick Kendall and Carl Dummler, Broncos Country's leading draft and scouting analysts. Get on over to milehighhuddle.com to sound off on all things Broncos. All right, welcome in everyone to Building the Broncos. I am your host, Carl Dummler, and of course, joining me as always, Mr. Nick Kendall. Nick, you recovered from our marathon weekend with the draft? Yeah, as much as anyone can recover. Feels like the work is just beginning, even though we spent all that time watching tape on these guys to prepare for the event. Now it's time to, you know, scour over it again, see if we can pick up anything different and not only think about these players, but how each one and their skill sets just fit ever so perfectly into the Broncos depth chart and how the best way to build the Broncos. Yeah. Yeah. That that was, I think one of my favorite things about this entire draft was just almost every single pick made sense with the system. I mean, you could just see how they're going to use each player. And uh, so just, uh, I'm excited to talk about it, man. Uh, just even a couple more days of, of time to, to think about this and to, to digest everything and, and to watch more of each of these players. And, and I, I mean, I've been digging in depth and I have three, three articles coming out this week of film breakdowns of some of these players. And uh, yeah, I'm just, it, it gets me more excited the more I watch them. Yeah, I mean, it's a good class and having so many picks, you know, just it's it's a lot of fun. I mean, walking out with five picks in the top 100, even if you didn't love one of those third round picks, I'm guessing odds are you like one of those guys a lot. So, I mean, Jerry, Judy, everybody wins. But I feel like this was ex- one of the Broncos better draft holes they've had in a while. Granted, you know, right when we're up against it, that's half the battle. We'll see where they are three years from now, but I feel pretty good about it. It didn't feel like any crazy reaches. You know, I'm not pulling my yeah. hair out like a Demarcus Walker pick situation. <laughs> So. Yeah, I, I had somebody ask me today about Demarcus Walker and my thoughts of his future, and I thought uh, I, I just said, "Yep, see you later, good luck." It was probably already over, but yeah, uh, yeah. Well, then, yeah, the signing of Covington as well, uh, or Covington, yeah, that that kind of ended things for him. Absolutely. But uh, all right, well, before we get too much into this, I, I just wanted to make sure everybody knows to, where you can find us. You can find me at Carl Dumbler MHH. And Nick and Nick Kindle MHH, and make sure you're following the podcast cast, following the podcast Twitter account at Football Pod. Make sure you subscribe to our show wherever you listen to podcasts, and, and leave us a rating. And of course, make sure you head on over to MileHighHuddle.com of the Maven Coalition and Sports Illustrated. We're we're continuing to pump things out. 18 hours of being on screen doesn't slow us down one bit. So make sure you're heading over there, and also know that our podcast is powered by Overtime Media. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. <laughs> While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hoopin' with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hoopin' with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so the, the thing we really wanted to talk about today, because, I mean, Nick's been pounding this table for probably two years now, if not longer. 
I think I have scheduled every a tweet now every 72 hours where I have to at, lunch, at least mention somehow the Broncos speed in offense. Like it's just <laughs> automatic. I'm a robot. I'm a program at this point. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just it. Uh, the Broncos have been one of the least athletic teams in football probably since 2014. Probably. I mean, you had those years of Peyton Manning, obviously, but they were getting by with Owen Daniels. And I mean, DT was kind of coming down to the end. Emmanuel Sanders was still explosive. I mean, looking back in hindsight, you got to be pretty happy with Emmanuel Sanders years, but the offense got so deeper, so much deeper, so much more variety. And as far as the weapons go, it's easy to say probably the most exciting they've been since 2013. Yeah. Oh, oh, for sure. Uh, I mean, I'd say 2013, I mean, they had more proven pieces. And uh, in hindsight, obviously, we can see what they were. And having an MVP quarterback does help, too. Who was that again? Yeah, yeah. Some guy. I feel like he was in law enforcement somehow. Yeah. <laughs> some, some city in Nebraska. I don't know. It's, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, no, it is. It, it's very exciting. And uh, just I, I really wanted to dig into this because the, the, we do have the offensive line truthers. And, and I'm sure there's a few of you in the comments that are kind of in that way. Give us a little bit here to kind of prove to you why this was the better way to go. Rather than trying to build up the the offensive line trench and make it a top five unit, the reason that weapons are, are so important, this is uh, the, the, there, there's real statistics and analysis to, to really prove why this is the better way for the Broncos to go. Um, and, and so I, I, I listened to somebody earlier today. I won't name who, but uh, he was an offensive line guy and really disappointed the Broncos didn't take anybody and had said that he talked to, uh, of course, uh, Pete Carroll, of all people. And Pete Carroll had said that he is trying to get the Seahawks back to the 90s offensive styles of really compacting everything together. And since everybody else is trying to spread them out, how about we be the one team that compacts together? Is that the team that took DK Metcalf, signed Philip Dorsett, has Tyler Lockett all right there with a probably future Hall of Fame quarterback? Well, and, and put the ball out of his hands? Right. Is that right. what I'm hearing? That's, that's what you're hearing. <laughs> and, and I guess, and I, I kind of look at it as I watched a few Seahawks games this last year, and, and there were a lot of times where they did try to run the football early in the game to zero success or minimal success. And then they would start falling behind, and it would kind of be kind of like, Elway in the eighties, go win us the game. Now, like we've dug the hole, save us. <laughs> and Russell Wilson is good enough to save them most of the time. But is, is that a great model to, to follow that the Seahawks who have been a terrible drafting team talent wise? I mean, again, if they didn't have Russell Wilson, there's people around the league that are talking about how John Schneider and Pete Carroll would be gone already. Yeah. It's, you make a good point. I mean, the Seahawks, obviously probably not the model to follow there. I, and most people agree that the Broncos killed it. I mean, you can't fix every single need in the draft in one cycle with all the needs the Broncos have. I right. mean, a lot of it's going to depend on how good Drew Locke is. And I'll probably, and it's probably unfortunate because every single piece I'm going to write in regards to the offense is going to end, you know, well, it, they'll go as far as Drew Locke can take them. Because even if you have the tackle issue, let's say they went heavy offensive line this year and didn't have offensive or weapons, et cetera, then it's still going to come down to Drew Locke in some way. I just feel like in today's NFL, what we know about the spreading these players out and creating explosive offensive plays, if you can get playmakers, especially in a draft like this where there's playmakers galore in the top, you know, top 50, uh, then you take them and you can spread teams out. And even, you know, a simple pass can be an explosive play. Right. So, I mean, we saw it with the Chiefs. We've seen it with the Eagles really tried hard to do it. So, again, it's, it's empowering Drew Locke. It's giving him the means to succeed, and now it's on him. So the Drew clock, the clock for Drew Locke started after the draft concluded. Right. It, it did. But, again, when you empower him that way, when you show, hey, we believe in you, it's amazing what happens. My, my wife today texts me. Um, I, I Maybe she doesn't want me saying this on air, but she just said, hey, I, I just realized lately I haven't been doing the best at being, you know, that positive reinforcement to my kid. And uh, she's like, I just need to make sure, you know, just the, everything that's going on, everybody's kind of getting a little on edge and it, it it's taken a toll on all of us. And uh, so she was just kind of like, I need to get more towards that. Well, to me, like this is the biggest sign of, of positivity towards a player that I've ever seen of, of pretty yeah. much saying you are our guy. And we were we are going to do everything possible to make sure you have everything you need to, to win. And, and it, it just amazes me how many teams will not do this. 
They, they go and spend a high pick on a draft pick or on a, on a quarterback and then do nothing to empower them, do nothing wonder, to help them. Then wonder yeah. why they bust. Right, exactly. <laughs> and, and so for the Broncos to, to come in here and, and, and just uh, really say, this is our guy. We're going to have one of the most explosive offenses in football, some of the best mismatch players in all of football. It, it just is uh, amazing to see. And, and, and it's so, not just the pass game. It's also the run game. Right. I mean, we were talking about it before we got started here. It's all about playing the box. It's really simple. Honestly, you pick the mismatch before the snap and it's, it's a numbers game. So let's say they're going dime because you're running out there with Fant, Hamler, Judy, and Sutton. Well, guess what? Then you run inside zone to Gordon or Lindsay for you know 10 yards a pop. And then they have to re then they have to adjust to that. So just really putting the defense in a, a bind. That is so key. And I think, Hats off to Fangio. You know, a lot of people are talking about Vic Fangio coming in, needing to draft guys to implement his defense. Well, it's the yin to John Elway's yang because John came in evaluating, you know, oh, he's an offensive guy. He's going to pick good quarterbacks, offensive players. Not the case. John Elway came in and he did a really good job of identifying defensive talent. Right now you have Vic Fangio come in and he's like, well, you want to have guys that dictate matchups in defense. So that way, if they take out this guy, then you're screwed. And that's, I mean, going out and getting Jerry Judy, taking Noah Faint last year, taking K.J. Hamler this season to go across. Yeah. So now it's all about Vic Fangio knows it's so much harder for defenses to game plan against you because you have these guys. And if you have any sort of you have enough weapons too, where if the defense has any sort of weakness, you can pinpoint that and pick on it repeatedly. So it's a different flavors thing. It's it's beautiful. I'm really excited about it. Yeah. Well, uh, Dylan's, I, I think he's pretty excited about it here too. Thank you, Dylan, for your super chat. I know a lot of fans like Tim Patrick, but I'm not shedding any tears if one of these rookies pushes him off the roster, including Tyree. And uh, that's football. Yeah, I mean, it is. I mean, you're always looking to update, to upgrade every position on the field. It, it doesn't matter if you have, I mean, look at the Broncos going from Von Miller and still taking another great player for the position because they knew they needed to upgrade it even more to have greater depth, to have greater players at every position on that defensive line. And, and so, yeah, for the wide receiver position, like Tim Patrick, I mean, he made some great plays last year. That Houston game obviously sticks out of him making a couple catches down the field, but he is a replaceable level player. And, and I know there's a lot of people that fall in love with some of those guys, the, the underdog that somehow outperforms his ability on the field, but for teams to really win, you need playmakers. Yep. I, I've seen too many. I mean, even look at Tom Brady last year. He did not have any playmakers, and he was getting frustrated on the field. And, and I think that's a little bit of why he wanted to leave New England was just go to a team that actually gave him some weapons to play with. And I know early in his career, everybody kept talking about how this is the guy that makes everybody around him better. But it's still a matter of in the NFL today – you still got to have somebody to do something. The, the The offensive systems are just built on explosive plays being a part of it. And the best offenses have explosive plays. They're not the march down the field five yards at a time kind of offense anymore. It, it just, it, it, you can't stay consistent enough. There, there's too much speed on the defense to expect that that's not going to lead to some kind of disaster at some point. So you need guys that can go do something. And again, the Broncos just added that. And, and, and the nice thing, thing is a lot of their playmakers they just added really are, are huge things to help the offensive line because they get open in a hurry both KJ Hamler and Jerry Judy might be two of the best at acceleration of that early acceleration in routes uh, of of being able to have nuanced route running to take a couple steps at about 70 percent and then all of a sudden boom hit and go uh, they're both great at that now KJ Hamler has to clean up some of his route running he takes a few false steps here and there, but what, what college player doesn't other than Jerry Judy. And yeah. so, yeah, the Broncos just added a lot of players that help that offense function at a high level, even if the offensive line is not top five. Yeah. And you know, you can't be top five at every single position. Would it be great if the Broncos had all pros at every single level of the defense and the offense? Duh. I mean, that's kind of what you do on Mad when you're editing the rosters and whatnot, just blowing teams out or building a super team. That's not the case in the NFL. It's a little too even here. But, you know, now you have a guy like we saw last year. God bless Cortland Sutton because I would have been getting frustrated, you know, just to play off that diva stuff. But teams were game planning to take away, take him away. And Vic Fangio brought it up multiple times in multiple different press conferences after this draft was that, guess what, Cortland Sutton now, he could be even better. Oh, there's only one ball to go around, but now he's going to have opportunities where when those balls are going to him, he can make plays. 
So I love it. I mean, the speed they offered, you have the obviously explosiveness of KJ Hamler, who honestly watching him, I was surprised how good he was at tracking the ball deep and just chasing it down. I mean, really, he can go down there and find that ball pretty well. The hands are a little bit inconsistent. Yes, that's true. Granted, (laughs) Sean Clifford was a not a good quarterback last year, very erratic, pretty much a a running back playing quarterback. But you add that explosiveness from the slot, a T.Y. Hilton type, a Tyler Lockett type, and then you add the route master that is Jerry Judy. He's going to play Z, going to play some slot, along with Cortland Sutton. It just makes the quarterback's job so much easier. Now, would it have been great if one of those offensive tackles, specifically one of those left tackles, had fallen there to pick 46? Absolutely. But that's not the case. Instead, you take arguably the fastest guy in the draft, pair it with him with arguably the best wide receiver in the draft, and now you're cooking. You got speed. You got a variety of weapons. I feel like, I mean, I know that people aren't sleeping on him, but with all the wide receiver talk, don't forget about Noah Fant. I mean, you're talking about a guy entering his year two where you typically you see that big step, and now how much space is he going to have? The best plays last year was when you could get him ahead of steam, and he has the ball, and it's like trying to tackle a gosh darn horse. I mean, it's literally six foot five, 250 plus pounds running that speed with that balance, that agility that he has. It's it's unbelievable. Then you have Hamler, Judah. So it's all about creating for the offense, creating big plays and trying to keep up with the Kansas City Chiefs. You're never going to hold them to zero points, but you need to get it to that 27 plus point mark. And now they have the option, the ability to do that on paper. Yeah. I, I mean, the, the Broncos have the chance to actually be the biggest jump in offensive production of any team in football with what yes. they've done this offseason. And, and the idea that, I guess, that here's the other thing. The Broncos have not ignored the offensive line. No. There's a lot of people that seem to have the suggestion that they've done that. They just signed Glasgow to a big deal. They just used a third-round pick on uh, Cushenberry, second-round pick on Reisner, first-round pick on Bulls, huge contract for Juwan James. So the Broncos have actually thrown a lot at that offensive line. Now, yes, it hasn't all worked out. And that's going to happen. Sometimes you're just not going to have everything work perfect and you're going to have to try to cover up some of those weaknesses, things like that. But, but for the most part, I mean, the Broncos have done a lot to try to really improve this offense over the last two years and pretty much just say, we cannot keep ignoring this. We can't keep hoping that our defense is going to bail us out every year. This is the overtime podcast network. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's absolutely correct. So thank you guys for joining us today. Obviously, this is Building the Broncos. We were with you this weekend, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, pretty much the entire time to talk the NFL draft. We're here again. And, you know, really appreciate you guys that have been with us from the beginning and anybody who's a new listener here. So uh, we should get some of these super chats here, Carl, if you can. Yeah. That. Oh, obviously, Stu McPeak, yep. as, <laughs> as Chad says, one of the MVPs of the podcast. All three, yep. really appreciate you. Thank you again for what we were saying there and just how, how much work and Really, I mean, we're talking out there. We would be doing it either way. But the fact that anybody is out there, you know, talking with us, it makes it that much more special and important to us. So really appreciate you guys. Yeah, I, I was going to say the, the funny thing is the last couple of years, uh, our group of guys have actually been kind of we've been meeting on draft day and discussing like the entire draft as we went. So it's just a matter of we put our, put ourselves on a screen this year <laughs> and it's a little more pressure. Uh, of you know staying a little bit more focused can just walk away every chance he wanted but uh i had to wear uh, pants i know that was weird (laughs) but uh, no we appreciate all you guys being there with us it's just been uh, a lot of fun and it has been a little bit of a recovery trying to get back on on track with everything after a few days of really focusing in and my my daughter is definitely happy to see me and my wife too i think most days but uh to be answered Dylan's question about the obviously he had the super chat coming in here. Thank you, Dylan. But about uh, Tim Patrick with Tyree Cleveland. Again, not going to shed any tears, but uh, Tyree Cleveland is going to come in for that mold with Tyree Cleveland being where he is potentially in a deep wide receiver class as well. Maybe you can sneak him onto that practice squad if he doesn't yeah. outright beat Tim Patrick. Same with Jawan James. Honestly, deep wide receiver class. I, you know, oh man, if we cut him, we're not going to be able to put him on the practice squad. 
I think you're probably going to be able to put some of these guys in the back end on the practice squad. Yeah. So that's what I'm looking for. And if Tyree comes and beats Tim Patrick, God bless him. You know, that's incredible because he's cheaper. He's under control for four more years. And as good as Tim Patrick is, you know, he's not really a, a difference maker, difference maker. He's not a guy that you're going to be that upset about because the contributions he bring in our offense, at least what we've seen so far. So that's just right. how the NFL goes sometimes. And he's been injured quite a bit. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, how much can you really trust him if he would ever be asked to step in as a starter to actually stay healthy through that? Uh, I mean, there, there's a few players on the Broncos that you could probably have that same question about. But uh, John Mortensen also coming in with the super chat. Appreciate it. Uh, nice picture of a cat. We're, we're both cat lovers. I uh, lost my cat last week. My family was in a panic. Thankfully found it. Oh, then I thought I got you a, passed away. I'm like, no, oh, my God, I didn't know that. No, no. We, we, sorry. She, she ran away and <laughs> okay. came back. Um, she decided to go on an adventure. And then uh, my dogs escaped today. <laughs> and we're hanging out with my neighbors in their backyard today. But uh, so I know it's been kind of fun. I've, I've got to go fix some fence here over the next couple of days. Once I finally get everything calmed down and then Nad Ludlow coming in, like the positive talk at the top of the show. Well done. Hashtag Nick's beer fund. <laughs> uh, they, they've had I, a lot of fun. With uh, you granted, I understand if hey, I got to take a sip for essentially uh, cheers. Anyway, I just I can't understand being upset coming out of the draft because the Broncos got so much better. They took advantage of one of the best wide receiver groups we've seen in years, and they had a need for more than one wide receiver. Now, were they get like were you going to get an offensive tackle that would would have actually been better than Bowles at pick forty six? I mean, some of the NFL media people, whatnot, we were bamboozled. Josh Jones, oh, he's going to be the fifth tackle off the board, not taken until the third round. Ezra Cleveland falling. Oh, if Cleveland trades back, he's going to be maybe taken at fifteen or twenty not taken until the end of the second round. So I think there really was a differentiated tier for those offensive tackles this year. And once you missed out on those ones in that first round, it was over. So I think maybe John, any of those wide receivers, but he still wanted to get faster. Jerry Judy's fast, but now you have two fast guys along with Sutton and Fant. So it's really just building on a strength, amplifying it. And also it's like doubling down. You needed wide receiver help. Well, gosh darn, here's two of the better ones in the class. So now one of them's going to hit both of them. I think are going to hit, honestly, but right. one of them why, is going to hit. Why, why don't, why wouldn't you take advantage of the biggest strength of the draft? I mean, when they're talking Jim about Mario this being, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it just, I mean, it just, yeah, it makes complete sense. And I mean, most people were talking about taking at least two in the top three rounds. Well, the Broncos just, it's just a matter of how you look at it. There's a lot of people that wanted Lloyd Cushenberry at, at 46, but let's say they took Cushenberry at 46 and then KJ Hamler in the third round. Would people be complaining as much or they'd be like, oh, my gosh, they just blew this out of the water. Uh, So it just a matter of I know a lot of people had different rankings on how the media was supposed to be doing it. But NFL teams have different rankings a lot of times. Uh, There's some players that are the same, obviously. But after you get past the first round, most of the time their rankings dramatically are different on on a lot of players. And uh, so, yeah, here. Talking about KJ Hamler, Max Power coming in with a super chat. Hi, guys. Uh, who are your comps for KJ Hamler? Am I crazy to see a bit of a manual in him? I mean, he's going out there and making big explosive plays down the field with a little smaller guy who's, I think his hands aren't great, but it's not because he doesn't, he can't extend. There are some plays out there where he's extending to making some plays despite the small catch radius, bigger hands, not the weakest guy. So I can see some of that, but the guys that I compare him to, again, you know, some people are comparing him to Tavon Austin or Isaiah McKenzie, I think he's more explosive than that. I, I think he's more, he's got different, what's different gears. Yep. He can kind of, I mean, if the ball's a little deep from him, he can kick it into an extra gear. And that's something, honestly, I didn't see as much with Ruggs. I felt like Ruggs was just zero to 100 instantly. Where Hamer, right. I think, can do a little bit more of a, a nuance. I mean, there was yep. that play against Iowa in the flat where he made like five guys miss and then run for 10 yards. I, one of the most crazy plays I've seen in person. Yeah, but... I really think that it makes a lot of sense. And I, maybe, again, T.Y. Hilton, Tyler Lockett, two of those smaller guys, slot, maybe a little bit of Z, making explosive plays, either slot fade, slant down the field. I mean, you have a guy that you have to account for. Yeah. And you're talking about the safeties again. It's it's going to screw so many defenses and put them in a bind. And that's what right. it's about. It makes it easier for everybody. Right. So. And, and, and you said it earlier, just like you said, that nuance route running. That shows an advancement beyond a lot of those guys when they were coming out of that Tavon Austin where he was, I mean, he was athletically gifted, but he was out of control a lot of the time when he was in college. And then when he came to the NFL, there was just such a huge adjustment where it wasn't just, I'm going to out athlete everyone. 
And, and so, uh, like, like I said, I'm writing a, a film piece on KJ Hamler right now. And one of the routes I, I highlight is this one where it, it is that slot fade where he does that inside step and, and, and he's going off the route or um, off the line of scrimmage. He's going about maybe 70% running at the defender. And then he takes one step inside, gets him to turn that hip just a little bit and then boom. And then he hits that accelerator and the camera couldn't even keep up with him. There's a phrase for that. If he's even, he's leaving. Yeah. If he gets even with that safety, he's gone. Right. And just because of that threat, I mean, again, it's not to the same extent where Henry Ruggs, because Henry Ruggs has more boundary ability, bigger size can do that. Mm-hmm. But the fact that you can get that with Jerry Judy is unbelievable. I mean, I, when the KJ Hamler pick first happened, you probably see it online if you went back. I took me a second to process it because I was not expecting that. Right. Going back to all their comments and with hindsight, it's like, well, this is exactly what they've been saying to do. This is exactly what we've been saying to do for two years. And now they're doing it. I mean, it's just, you can't be upset about it. Now, granted, is offensive tackle still a worry? I'm not going to sit here and tell you that offensive tackle isn't a concern. And it's not just because of Bulls, because of Juwan James. It's because of Elijah Wilkinson. It's the the unit of it is, are the concerns of the defense? I mean, do, do you have the most athletic coverage linebacker? Are you depending on a fifth round pick to come in and fill that role? You know, that's a concern. What's your depth in the secondary? What's behind Von Miller and Bradley Chubb? You know, it's just, there are concerns, but I think with these talent of this draft and the ability to stack it as best you can to make and empower your young QB, which the most important thing here, right? Bar none is to make sure that drew lock can become the guy. Right. And it's to empower him. And the best way to do that in this draft was with the weapons. So I just, I think he nailed it. And as far as the conceptuality goes, and right. I, I want to shift gear. Actually, let's get some super chats. You find some, but yeah. I want to shift gears here real quick too. One thing I also love about the offensive line or the offense empowerment here is that in college, I felt like Drew Locke's biggest issue wasn't the edge rush. He could get away from the edge rush, you know, escape from the side, create a little bit that way. But when it was the interior pass rush that was very leaky at Missouri would become an issue. His feet would, his footwork would get erratic. His process would get sped up and his accuracy and decision-making would dip. But now you have Cushionberry. You have Dalton Reisner back. You have Graham Glasgow. You used a a pick on a very high potential guard in uh, Moody. Drew Locke is going to have the middle of the pocket. Now, sometimes is the edge going to have an issue? Yes, it's going to happen. Sometimes it's going to happen in the middle too. But I think because of that, he can keep his pocket clean. He can step up, make some plays because of the athleticism, spread guys out, and just go out there and be a playmaker. He's not a point guard. He's a playmaker. So I just, I think it makes so much sense. And I'm over the moon. It worked out. It went about as good as it possibly could have gone. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, John Mortensen coming in with another super chat here. I understand everybody we got, but why an undrafted free agent running back? A uh, few things here. One, you, you need extra guys just for the off season. Uh, you're not going to have all of these guys, obviously making the, the final 53 man roster. And, and also, I mean, Freeman, <laughs> he's not that great. I, I know there's some people that love him, but so far he's been a, a jag. I'm just another guy and he's very replaceable. So getting another guy that's explosive that can help in the running game, pass game, whatever uh, it makes a lot of sense. So I, I don't think this is a bad decision for them to bring in another guy that they're going to need probably five, six guys at the running back position to start the season. I mean, well, not the regular season preseason. If we have a preseason, we'll see about that. Gosh, I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> how could you how could you go with the first time we've had a young, exciting quarterback and all these weapons and then have nothing? I know. Fates do not do that to us. We need it. <laughs> yeah. We need it. Right. <laughs> and then uh Terry Randall coming in here with the super mm-hmm. chat. Uh hashtag state of being, hashtag Nick's beer fund. Thank you very much, Terry. Uh appreciate seeing you all through the weekend at the the draft. And uh <laughs> Nick's liver doesn't appreciate you, but I do. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was only 17 hours, right? We right, cheated the yeah. last day. We did coffee. Yeah, we did a lot we of coffee. It. We yeah. Um, but what do you think about right. that point on the interior offensive line in regards to empowering that? I mean, obviously, tackle's a very valuable position. There are good edge rushers in the division, and it's something that Garrett Bowles, Juwan James, Elijah Wilkinson, you don't feel great about it. On paper, that's the Broncos' weakest starting unit. They're probably one of a number of teams that have offensive tackle questions. But when you have weapons on the outside that can dictate coverage when you have a good now a good pass blocking running back in Melvin Gordon and the Mike Munchak I mean we haven't even mentioned Mike Munchak yet it yeah. just it feels like you know what is that an area that the Broncos should look to improve in the future absolutely last year at this time I was screaming wide receiver probably this year going into it I'm probably going to be screaming from a conceptual standpoint overall standpoint 
offensive tackle. But yeah. the Broncos got better, and they I feel like they played the draft game about as good as they could. So right. hats off and trust in the scouts. Maybe keeping the scouts back from the combine and we can get, you know, drink up here. They're not there. And Indy was a better yeah. for the overall process. Right. No, I, I, I'm with you. You're, you're right. Uh, most quarterbacks, the, the place that they struggle the most with is interior pressure. And especially when you're talking about some of the teams, the Broncos are going to be playing uh, Chris Jones. You got to stop that guy. I mean, he absolutely destroyed the Broncos this year in the games that they played. And uh, I know Reisner was hurt, so that didn't help. He was also a rookie. But now when you've got that group really solidified, you're right. He has a pocket to step into. And so even there, it, it makes it where the offensive tackles, you tell them, get beat to the outside. If you're going to get beat, beat to the outside, so then Drew Locke can step up. And he he did last year. I think this is one of the biggest differences that he showed compared to, to Flacco, uh, compared to uh, what's his name? <laughs> Brandon Allen. Yeah, Brandon Allen. You had yeah. it right. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but th- those two guys, you saw them, when they felt pressure, they just faded back. Drew Locke, he felt pressure. He stepped up. And, and so it, it led to a couple times of him getting hit, but he also was able to make some great throws because he he was willing to step into the pressure sometimes and, and trust that his uh, tackles were going to swing guys to the outside. And, and so, again, that's something just – the great quarterbacks do it. I'm not calling Drew Locke a great quarterback. I'm saying this is one trait that he's showing uh, that you see in a lot of other great quarterbacks. He's got a lot of other traits he's still got to work on, but that is one that I was really impressed with last year is his ability to step up. Point guard versus playmaker. Right. Point guard right, well, needs Terry, to, to be clean. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. <laughs> yeah, Terry Randall coming in again. Appreciate it. Uh, anyone lamenting our draft should watch Ty Schmidt slash Mel Kuyper's reaction to Green Bay trading up for love. Uh, I will say that's one thing I kind of missed this year since we didn't really get to watch much of that, uh, of the analysts and people commenting and everything else. I've gone back and started watching some of it myself just because I do love hearing all the stories that they have behind the scenes and and everything else. So, uh, yeah, Um, (laughs) Packers fans probably not the happiest people this week. I don't think – I understand trading up for love is not something they were thrilled with, but I was okay with that. But when you double down and you take a a gap, big bulking running back, and then a tight end slash fullback in the day two, big fat F. Yeah. <laughs> Terrible. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers has got to be ticked. Absolutely. Well, I, saw, ticked. I saw a stat. Do you know how many touchdowns uh, Aaron Rodgers has thrown to first round players? Oh, God. Um, Zero. One. One. Okay. <laughs> was it a pick six? Because that would be really no. <laughs> <laughs> It was, uh, oh, one of the old, old t- uh, uh, tight ends that went to them. Lewis. Mercedes Lewis? Was he yes. a first-round pick? I, I, I don't think, even remember. That was years I can't, ago. <laughs> yeah. He threw one touchdown to him. Yeah. But uh, so. Dennis Woods coming in here with the super chat. Uh, my only worry is depth at offensive tackle. Thoughts on Watts. Yeah, it, that, that is a huge concern. Elijah Wilkinson showed last year he is a guard playing tackle. And if he is the still the backup swing tackle, that's not a good sign, especially when I don't trust that James is going to stay healthy all year. So probably a good chance Wilkinson probably does play at some point. So it, it's definitely a concern. Do you have any thoughts on Watts? I have no thoughts on Watts besides I think he was the one with that absolutely – sad edit of him in a Broncos uniform. We had like gray pants <laughs> yeah. and then a face mask that didn't match. I just, man, they clowned him. He's never going to be able to live that down. Family barbecues from years to come. He's going to, they're going to have that picture up. If I was a sibling, I'd have that picture framed and like put up somewhere, but no thoughts on Watts. Honestly, with some of those lower tier UDFAs, once they start to actually play the, cause their film is so hard to find, you know, like once they start to play in camp and whatnot or scrimmages, uh, preseason games, then I can start to develop an opinion on them, but nothing on Watts right now, other than a hope and a prayer at offensive tackle and probably a guy that, you know, one of the many faceless guys names that we don't remember anymore, but we'll see. You never know. He's going to get a shot. All right, Jeff green. I I thought this is a really nice comment here. Uh, First time in years. It feels like we have the right coaches, the right quarterback, and finally all the right weapons. Very exciting. And that's the other thing for me. This is the first time. I mean, we, we talked about it a lot on our, draft podcast of how much we trust these coaches 
to actually mm-hmm. coach up players. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, Fangio, I mean, it, it, he's one of them that's making some of these decisions on the draft, obviously. And if he's telling, hey, I've got the defense, don't worry about it. You get me some of these players. And, and I mean, they, they still, they brought in some players for the defense, obviously in free agency. Instant um, impact. I mean, yeah. They traded picks for A.J. Boye and Drill Casey. Might right. as well think of that as a fourth round pick and a seventh round pick. And now how do you feel about the offense defense balance? Right. Pretty good. I mean, so again, no perfect rosters and big, the biggest thing it's going to come down to how good Locke is five games. We saw flashes. Is he the guy, if he can really take the step and solidify this offense, then giddy up. Cause the next, not only next year will be fun, but the next two years, three years, whatever they do for the rookie contract before he gets a mega contract. And then we'll have a whole different discussion at that point. That's best case scenario. So, you know, we'll see. And, a point I want to come back to also is while we really gas up this wide or any draft class, a lot of the picks are not going to be huge contributors for a year or two. I mean, you even go back and look at Draymond Jones last year, early third round pick, defensive pass rusher, had flashes, but a rotational player. And that's probably what you're going to get this year from a Michael Ojemudia, from an Albert Obuwekanon from a Melt McTelvin regime. So that's, you need to not put so much impact or immediate impact expectations on an offensive or a, any sort of draft class, especially outside the first two rounds, but more of the next few seasons. And, and we're starting to stack these, these draft classes. So really do, I want to reiterate that feeling good about it. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Um, I did see something here. I think we, I think we answered, the question I'd seen somebody say, Hey, make sure you answer. We did. About uh, the Dennis Woods. Okay. Yeah. Dennis Woods. Yep. We answered it. Um, and then something else that I saw in here that they were talking about is the, the tight end position. Um, this is something you and I and our group had talked about earlier today, quite a bit and really through the draft process of, of just the Broncos taking uh, Albert O, however you want to. Uh, Oku Webinam. There we go. O- Oku Web. Webinon, yeah. Oka Webinon. Oka Webinon. Okay, uh, we're, I'll get there. We're, we got a we got a while. He's got here four years, hopefully. Um, it, that was an interesting pick, and I, I still I don't question it from a talent standpoint. He's got talent. He's got some ability. He's obviously got a connection with Drew Locke. It's just a matter of who's on the field. You, you can only have five actual skill position players on the field. Yeah. And so of course you're going to have, you want Cortland Sutton on the field. Mm-hmm. You want Jerry Judy on the field. Mm-hmm. I, I would say you want KJ Hamler on the field. Just use a second round pick on him for most situations. I think maybe around the, the red zone, there might be some plays where you, you take him out. But and I still uh, think a guy like Hamilton could have a potential fit in this offense as well. If you want to get out there and get some route runners, if Hamilton's your third best wide receiver out there with Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton, I think odds are you can get away with that. So, again, I, the biggest thing with Albert Okuwebinam is I think the Broncos probably had an early round pick on him. This is a guy who's six foot six, two hundred and sixty pounds, and ran a sub four five forty in the fourth round. You know, you are you hoping to get a, a Deshaun Hamilton or a Josie Jewell there because that's like what you're talking about in that range. You're right. taking a flyer. You're taking a guy on a high upside pick. And also, I think with the roster expanding, if you can get weapons that are dominant in a single area, I think that has more value. And what does Albert O do well? He's big and he's fast in a straight line. You get him in there for the snaps where he's going to be busting the seam. If that's all he does and he does it as a, at a good level, there's extreme value to that. So yeah. I don't I I don't hate that pick too much. And also, I mean, how are they going to utilize these guys? We'll see. I mean, yeah. Shermer might have to be versatile, but we don't know yet how mm-hmm. the pecking order is going to be. But I don't hate that right. pick at all. Yeah, I, I, I don't hate the pick. I, I just... I, I want to see how they're going to use everybody. That That's yeah. my main thing. It, he was the one pick that I sat there and said, I don't see the the clearest picture of what they're planning here. Just because, I mean, you take Noah Fant last year, obviously. Uh, Shermer, everywhere he's gone, uh, he, he's not really been big on the two tight ends. That's, usually they get about 30% of the snaps, the, the number two tight end. So th- there's still snaps to be had. And, and a talent like Albert O where he can come in, make some really big plays for you, that makes sense. If they're still wanting to be that explosive offense, you're just adding explosion on explosion. Um, but it, it's still – when there, there's a couple other positions and players that I really liked. I mean, um, but, uh, again, if that's my biggest complaint, <laughs> that's a pretty good draft. Day so, three. Uh, yeah. Day three. It's like when the Broncos took 
uh, Natane Moody. You know, like this is the guy who could be absolutely incredible if he hits. Is he going to hit? I don't know. But you already. What about Reisner, Cushenberry, and uh, Graham Glasgow? You're, there's good problems and there's bad problems, and we're talking about having good problems here. So yeah. you're just stacking odds, getting guys, and if they all hit, and that's your problem. Oh, I don't. We have too many good players to play. Be thankful. Yeah, because <laughs> then you could sort that out. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, I had somebody make the comment of, uh, "What are, what are you going to do?" Sorry, that oh, was me. Sorry. Um, <laughs> oh no, you're fine. Uh, yeah, post your question kinda, again. I saw it. I saw it, Gio. He asked, "What do we think about the offensive tackle position?" Oh, okay. Um, I mean, it's still weak. It, it, if we're talking about weakest position on the team, it, it's probably up there. Especially Juwan James when he's healthy is a great right tackle. I mean, I, I put him top 10 right tackles in football, but it's just a matter of, we don't know if he's going to be healthy. Garrett Bowles. The big question is, is he the same guy from the last five games or is he the same guy that is all over the place? We never know exactly what we're getting kind of guy. That, that, that's always the, the big question with him. And uh, so it just, you just don't know. They, they put some risk in there saying, we're going to trust that Munchak is going to develop these guys. We're going to trust that, that Juwan James is going to stay healthy. I mean, you spend that kind of money, you plan on that guy playing. And if you don't plan on that guy playing, you're just setting yourself up for failure. Yeah. Um, so I did want to get to these super chats so I don't miss any more. Um, sorry, guys, if I miss any, we're, we're long-winded, especially when we're talking about the draft. Uh, Sykes coming in with uh, Broncos forever. AFC West can smell my pit. Singular? Is that like a place? <laughs> <laughs> and also I looked up in Dane Brugler's draft guide here because uh, Stephen Bumgarner, obviously a huge supporter of the show here, often Oku A Boonam, Oku A Boonam, but it's the Ku and the Boo accentuated, Oku A Boonam, so not a, Oku A Boonam. There we'll we get it, Oku yeah. A Boonam. I got Ojemudia down. I've been saying that here in Iowa City for years. So Do you have you have Ajim down? Ajim, yep. Yeah, Once okay. somebody mentioned it, it's like <laughs> Hakeem Ajim. I was like, okay, yeah. got it, easy. There you go. All right, James Campbell coming in. Appreciate it with the super chat here. I was looking at Levante Bellamy and noticed he seems to hold the ball in just his right hand. Is this pretty typical for running back prospects nowadays? Great work on the draft stream by the or the draft stream, by the way. Um, everybody has their dominant hand. And so you're going to be more likely to try to hold it in there or or use that hand to actually. I'm trying to think. Usually you want to hold it in your dominant hand and use your other to try to stiff arm or whatever else you need, just because you trust that it's going to be more secure. I mean, when I'm carrying my kid, uh, she's getting a little bit bigger now, but it, it was, I held her this way to, to have her in my right, my right arm. Um, so yeah, usually you try to hold towards your dominant. Now, yes, running backs are told if you are running to the left, you want it in your left hand. If you're running to the right, you want it in your right hand, less chance of somebody being able to punch it. Cause you got your body in the way to get in, get in there. But uh, I mean, I see Philip Lindsay runs with it in his left all the time. And there's yes. been a couple of times he has had that ball punched out. And he's a little smaller. Sometimes he's going to yeah. score it out, but that's a good find. I did not notice that with Bellamy. I uh, did some work on Bellamy, but not too much. Okuwe Bunam and Ajin. Thank you, Eric, who's watching. And I always give him a hard time about like Jeffrey Okuda. And now I'm the one who can't pronounce it. So I'll dunk, <laughs> I will dunk when I do it right, but uh, don't hold me accountable. That's no fair. Yeah. Yeah, why would we do that? Uh, Flippin' Booch coming in here with a super chat. Broncos players plus coaches equals Super Bowl roster. I I definitely feel better about the roster today than I did a week ago, by far. Yeah. I mean, I, I probably one of the biggest jumps. For, I mean, I, I thought they were, if they could get a wide receiver, one wide receiver, they would maybe be that borderline 9-10 win kind of team, maybe fighting for that last wild card spot. Now with the explosive weapons they've added, I mean, I still think the Chiefs win the division. Yeah. It's going to be tough to take the division away from them as long as they have Mahomes, just being honest. That's very true. And also I think that this is a – unfortunately, there's some things that have stacked the Broncos' favor. But with everything going on in the world right now and the question about when things will start, et cetera, you have a young quarterback playing in a new system with a bunch of new weapons. That says to me maybe a little bit of a, a slow start as far as the chemistry and getting things humming, but 2021 should be just brilliant. So excited about that. But if they're not yeah. great out the gate, there's a little bit of hiccups in the machine. I would say that's to be expected. 
I'm not sure if this is a compliment or an insult. Both. <laughs> you know, hey, in my heyday, I had some speed. That was one thing I was good at. Uh, I've lost a step here and there. And uh, I do, I actually turn 34 tomorrow. So I'm, I'm becoming an old man real quick. Man. And uh, I just realized. Yeah. I, I just realized I've got my uh, Spartan race coming up in Colorado here in like a month and a half. So I really got to kick it into high gear. And uh, mm-hmm. seeing lots of cake at my house is not helping. So, Carl, I do want to ask you, when is your hat getting in? I know that we just had recently the Building the Broncos swag, as Chad likes to say it, uh, come out. And everybody can go to huddleuppod.com to check those out. It should be coming pretty soon. I might need it. Honestly, I might need a giant one to fit all this, this <laughs> hair that I have going on right now. But I saw somebody say, wow, Nick, your hair is luscious. Well, I appreciate it. That you, could, <laughs> you should tell my wife that's the word to describe it. But uh, <laughs> Those I've luscious said, locks. Oh, yeah, exactly. It's great with the, uh, the big oversized headset. You could be a, a Disney prince. The one that sways his hair back oh, exactly. and forth. Yep. My <laughs> hair has got to bring the long hair back. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but um, all right. No, I, when I'm going to be getting my hat in, I'm not sure. I, I checked the mailbox today. It wasn't there. So I'm, I'm waiting on it. I bought three because I had a few people that had requested whenever we get some, some merch in that I, I would, yeah, some swag that I would Chad be. <laughs> swag. Uh, that I, I would be getting them something. So, uh, yeah, got something. We'll, we'll see if my wife even wears it. Um, I, I did see this. Can you still do a backflip, Carl? It has been a long time. So happy I, I 34th don't birthday. It. Yeah, I, I, I don't <laughs> see it ending well, but we'll we'll see. And then uh, Peterson Creative coming in here with the super chat. Uh, did you order a hat? Thought I heard you say you did. Me? Not yet. I Not was yet. Uh, okay. waiting for the next month payment to go through and then just getting a couple. Okay, there you go. Um, there were a couple mild head scratchers in the draft, but I'm not mad. Then I remember we got Darrell Casey for a seventh, and then I'm really not mad. Good work on the draft, boys. Hashtag Nick's Beer Fun. Hashtag Carl's Golf Fun. Hashtag State of Being. Peterson, really appreciate it. Uh, yeah, when, when you factor those two players, Darrell Casey, uh, AJ Bouye as well, it, it just makes it like maybe the best draft I've seen from the Broncos. I, I don't know. I can't even think of one that would be better. Yeah. Uh, I mean, maybe last year, because if they can hit Fant, that, it's the same thing. It's always about the gosh dang quarterback position. <laughs> but if they hit last year and they were able to get Drew Lock at 42, that's probably the one as far as which one's better. And that being said, you know, not to just pile on Chad and Zach's pot. I was listening the other day, and I think it was Zach who was talking about the Ojemudia pick and the, gosh, the Ajin pick and whatnot. You're taking third round picks there and your choice is either to take guys who are high floor instant impact, but don't have those tools and traits, or you can take guys who are a little bit more of a project that, you know, you don't want to rely on year one that can you develop down the line and hopefully see them a few years from now. And that's what you did with Michael Ojemudia. That's what you did with McTelvin Ajim. So even though those guys probably aren't going to be gigantic contributors year one, maybe they will, maybe they will, but those positions are so valuable. It's like feeding a fire. All those units are like fires. You know, if you let it go out because you're not feeding in logs, then you're in trouble. You know, you're going to can't cook. You're going to freeze to death, whatever. So the fact that the Broncos had those extra third round picks, they can put those logs on and draft a guy like Ojibudia and a gene that can be brought about, developed, and later provide cheap rookie contracts and potentially come in and start. That's how you win. The, that's how you have all this cap space. That's yeah. how you're able to go out there and sign a garden or running back. So, again, I... I understand that maybe you know, people really wanted Bryce Hall, even though he fell a lot or didn't really know McTelvin Ajim coming into it. But using those picks on those guys that you can just constantly develop and churn in, I mean, Draymond Jones taking a step next year, et cetera, et cetera. Hopefully they'll break the third round draft pick cornerback jinx that's going on. Yeah. But uh, it, I just, I think that's a really good strategy to do when you, especially when you have those extra picks like Elway had. Yeah. Uh, Broncos seven, eight, one. I, I like this question. If Moody becomes 100% healthy and plays really well, are you guys trying to trade one of our starting interior offensive linemen for a high draft pick? Um, well, by the time that happens, maybe you could get out of Graham Glasgow's contract. That would make the most sense. Maybe you're not trading him. Maybe you are trading him. Maybe yeah. you're only getting like a fourth round pick or a seventh round pick like the Broncos did, but that seems like the time when you can do it. Graham Glasgow is 27. And they have an out after the year 2021. So that's potentially where you can look to save some money. Or, yeah. you know, maybe you have a bunch of good young guys and you're able to go that way. So it's definitely worth interesting. Again, that's a good problem to have. 
we have too many talented guys. Good problem. Yeah. And see, and Todd Ostendorf coming in here, uh, Natani Muti uh, could be a steal of healthy, but look at butt came in injured and stayed injured the whole time. I mean, that's the only reason you're getting players at that late point in the draft. Now, the odds are very much against you that they are ever going to get healthy and become that all pro player that, that they maybe could have become. But it's worth the chance at that point. Uh, it's a six-round pick. Right. How many six-round picks usually make your roster? Not many. Seventh-round picks, even worse. I mean, you're just hoping that person can maybe turn into a special teams player for you, and that, that's yeah. about it. So uh, getting him at that point when he is maybe first, second-round talent, yeah, it, it's worth it at that point. And, and also, uh, just you know, getting back to that question, yeah, Glasgow's the guy I'd probably be looking to trade just because you want to keep things young, you want to keep things um, – going in, in the right direction. And uh, yeah, thank you for helping me keep, keep some of those going. I miss every once in a while that the $2 ones are, are kind of weird. The colors <laughs> yeah. they just light up like colors though. Like, oh, that's the one to click realistic yeah. points per game for the Broncos in 2020. What were they last year, Carl? 17.6. I think I'm going to go 22. I think that, you know, while we're very excited about this offense, it's going to be young. I think it's going to be a little bit hit or miss, a little bit erratic. So I'm going to go 22. I know everybody's hoping to get to that 24 mark, 27 mark, whatever. But I think 22 is probably a safe number. Okay. I'll I'll be a little more positive. I'll go 24.5. Okay. I think the combination of Judy and Hamler and Albert O, I think that's worth at least seven points. And you get a full season of Drew Locke. Right. That, that's the other thing is that you just I, him having more weapons. And on top of that, I mean, Noah Fant's going to be better his second year. You hope. Yeah. I, I think they have a better offensive system with Shermer. I, I think all those factors coming into this and just a greater interior offensive line on top of it. I mean, there, there's just so many things that have been added to this offense that were not there last year. A majority of the league is 21 to 24 points a game. So if they can get in that range where they can at least be average on offense, considering the youth of the offense and the direction they're going, I would be okay with that. Obviously, are they going to get to Baltimore or Kansas City scoring 30 points a game? Probably not unless Drew Locke becomes a freaking monster. But if they can get if they can get above 21, 22, that means things are going in the right direction. Yeah. And also uh, one there. (laughs) <laughs> happy birthday, Carl. Everyone, we got to get out of here pretty soon, so make sure you drop that happy birthday to Carl. And also, follow him on Twitter and wish him a happy birthday tomorrow as well. Carl Dummler, MHH, the man, the myth, the legend, Carl Dummler. 34 Thank years you. ago. I know, I know. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to spend my day working and doing film articles, so. Uh, That's not right. Hey, what, what better? I, well, yeah, I was going to say, what better way to spend your birthday? So I'll take it. Uh, Jeff Green, uh, this is something I wanted to talk about too today. Just uh, maybe a few of those places that the Broncos could be looking for some more free agent help. Uh, Oju Mudiay uh, needs to be a big contributor year one, or we better be signing a cornerback. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, it it is the position that has probably the most question marks still remaining. Besides tackle. Maybe, yeah. These are tackle and and cornerback uh, because Boye is coming off a bad year. Callahan didn't even play last year. Uh, Bosby only played a few games. Yadam might be moving to safety. Duke, Duke Dawson, Dawson might be moving to safety. Uh, so yeah. he is a safety. He was. Right. I mean, so Devonta Harris, right. Elijah Holder, uh, saying Bassey. So there's, there's. I feel confident enough with Ed Donatello and Vic Fangio that are they going to be absolutely dreadful out there? I mean, they w- they got by last year with Chris Harris Jr. in a massive pit on the other side after that. So hopefully they'll be a little bit better than that, but it is still a concern. And maybe that's potentially an area they can look at to bring in another player or maybe, you know, do what they did last year and trade a seventh round pick. They have two and something to get a guy that a team is looking to cut or move on from. So it's definitely a concern. All right. We've got a few more questions to get to uh, red John coming in here with the super chat. Appreciate it. How often is it that a GM builds around their quarterback like Elway has for Locke? Seems like he has everything set up to be great. I mean, Not- <laughs> empower him. Yeah, this is just there's no doubt. The clock has started on Drew Locke, and there's can't be – I mean, maybe the offensive tackle excuse, maybe there's a – due to the weirdness and not getting things together excuse, but the clock started on Locke right now, so there's no excuse. You know, sink or swim. Yeah, it's – you're right. There's a lot of teams – 
that have failed miserably because they have failed to build around their quarterback. Uh, the, the Jets finally seem to realize Sam Darnold can't just cover up every terrible thing on that team. And uh, Adam Gase included in that list. <laughs> we'll see how he does now that he's got some offensive line pieces in front of him, uh, all those kind of things. And uh, I mean, you, you see the Bills have done well to build around Allen. I think they've added quite a bit to, to try to help him. Uh, they, they've done good there. I'm trying to think of other Mayfield. They added a lot of pieces, just didn't have quite the right coach. And and I still question whether Mayfield, met, you know, maturity wise, can handle the the attention that he's gotten all through his career. The, but they have done a lot to to build around him. But you look at I mean, other guys that didn't. Of uh, your boy, uh, that was now on his second, going to maybe be on a third team. They didn't do much to build around him. And what about uh, MVP last year, Lamar Jackson? I mean, they went out there, they got hot, they kind of Hollywood Brown of the KJ Handler mold there, went out there and paid that running back. So there's some similarities there. And all, Kyler Murray, I mean, go out there and get DeAndre Hopkins, still use resources to bring in uh, weapons around him. So again, good job, Elway, and having some self-awareness there that what they were doing there compared to what they were seeing in Kansas City and why Kansas City was working was not enough to get it done, and they needed to help him. Otherwise, he was going to fail, and they yeah. need him to not fail. Right, and, and kind of Charlie Beagle coming in your opposite of Aaron Rodgers – yeah, you're, you're right. Rodgers hasn't always had much talent around him to in the weaponry. They've depended on him making a lot of plays, especially outside the structure of the play. Now, some of that is on Aaron Rodgers because he just does that naturally. Uh, but at the same time, there's a lot of times where guys aren't getting open. I think back to that 2015 game against the Broncos. There were plays, yeah. the, the pass rush wasn't getting home for like seven seconds and people still couldn't get open. Yeah. And so then Black Knight coming in here, uh, kind of following this up, what do you think about the Rodgers rumors? If Locke goes down for the season, no reason to piss away the season, do you trade a pick for him? I would be interested, but I can't imagine that you'd be able to get there. You'd be able to pay what the Packers would demand, and you'd be willing to pay what the Packers would demand because when you're bringing in a quarterback of all positions in midseason, that means that you're a whole new offense, a whole new chemistry thing, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, how many midseason trades of a quarterback can you get? And it's going to work efficiently. You know, that's just not the case. It's not like trading a wide receiver where still they have to learn the playbook, but the quarterback is the pivot man for everything. So right. if there's going to be any trade like that, it's going to happen during the off season. And that would mean that, unfortunately, that would mean that Locke failed this season. So possibility, I guess maybe next season, they will roll with well, Aaron Rodgers this season, but uh, we're going to put that off for now. We're going to assume Locke is going to kill it this year. Yeah. Uh, here's another quarterback, uh, San Francisco with Jimmy G. They, they did pretty good trying to build around his strengths and weaknesses and, uh, and fit that system pretty well. So uh, yeah, it, it's, um, I did want to get this cause I, I, I agree. Nick, thanks for helping get all the sick Judy edits. I saw some I just, of those. Those are pretty, pretty cool. Talent to those guys. I mean, whoever made, I just cultivate them. I, I'm a connoisseur of good edits. So if you have any, I'm still looking for some good KJ Hamler ones out there. If you have any, but uh, all right, get a couple more questions before we get out of here. Um, let's see. I like this one from Todd. Here's the million dollar question. Did the Broncos selecting Hamler mean they didn't see another speed receiver in the draft so that we had to select hammer at that point, Hamler at that point. I, I, I think they, they could see speed. I'm not sure that they saw guys that could be as big of a playmaker as Hamler. Something to, to keep in mind is uh, there's this guy that plays for the Giants that just played for Pat Shermer not too long ago. That was from Penn State. They have a certain running back. Uh, he does not hold the record for most all-purpose yards as a freshman. K.J. Hamler does. And because he was their punt return, kick return, receiver, he would do sweet plays. I mean, he did a little bit of everything. And, and that's why you like his game where he's not just a speed guy. He's not just a, hey, you run down the field as fast as you can and just take the top off a of defense. He can do a lot more than that. Some of his best plays, uh, you sent me a, a, like 11-minute highlight video. Well, the nice thing is like the, the highlights are very varied on how he scores touchdowns, how he makes plays. And it's so that's the same why, over and over again. Right, exactly. And, and so that, that's why I like him. It, it, it's kind of like, well, another running back the Broncos drafted, Tyree Cleveland. 
all of his highlights are him running deep. <laughs> There's very few other plays that he makes, which is, I mean, it's a great element to have, but it just limits what you can do with a player. Where KJ Hamler, again, this is why he's a second round talent, not a seventh round talent, because he has so much more to offer the offense. Yeah. Good point. So, I mean, overall, I guess the take home message here Elway saw the Houston Texans, saw the Baltimore Ravens, saw the Kansas City Chiefs. And yes, all these teams have exciting young quarterbacks. But you know what these teams have done that all these other quarterbacks that have failed did not do? They surrounded their quarterback with a scheme that worked with, with them. They improved the offensive line and they added a bunch of multi multi-dimensional weapons, guys who win in different ways. And Elway went out there, took advantage of the draft class this year, added the route dynamo in Jerry Judy, who, I mean, instant impact. You want to talk about a guy who can come in year one. The only concern I have is, you know, maybe Drew Locke and him cannot work so much as a typical offseason where the the route running and the chemistry is going to be more important. But still, he's going to come in. He's going to run those routes. Drew Locke is going to find him. Remember Deshaun Hamilton getting open because Cortland Sutton was drawing stuff last year and Deshaun Hamilton's a route runner? Now imagine that being Jerry Judy. It's, it's just so much better. So that's the – Elway wanted to get faster. He said it multiple times. He went out there and used multiple resources to do it. And guess what? The Broncos are faster. More expensive. Julak's yeah. happy. I'm happy. All right. Uh, we got another super chat here from Marshall coming in. Really appreciate it. Uh, who's your top receivers in the AFC West as of now? Well, Tyreek Hill, top guy. I mean, as much as I hate to say that, he is. Cortland Sutton's number two. Yep. Keenan Allen, probably number three. The guy that you don't like is probably number four, just until we see it from Jerry Judy. I'm sorry to say that. I think it's probably Mike Williams is number four for now. I mean, you're going to argue that it's going to be Jerry Judy, but I just can't say that until we see him. Right. He's proven it on the field. I mean, he's made some plays. Not not a ton of plays, but he's made some. So I've got to give him some credit there. Uh, Nobody on the Raiders because, again – Henry Ruggs hasn't proven anything on the field. There's no other receiver that they have. Yeah. Uh, Chiefs, Sammy Watkins, maybe. Uh, I would take Jerry Judy before Watkins. Oh, gosh. I think you could take Jerry Judy before Mike Williams as well. If you really wanted to, you could could twist my arm a little bit. What about Mecole? I'm taking Jerry Judy before Mecole Hardman. Okay. And I'm taking Henry Ruggs before Mecole Hardman. So I mean, I I don't disagree. I'm just, I mean. Broncos have two of the top four. That's what I'm just talking myself into. KJ okay. Hamler, number eight. Let's go. <laughs> okay. Um, I am Supreme coming in here with the super chat. Uh, Broncos have a top five interior O-line by adding Kush. I mean. They have the potential. Yeah. They're solid. There's not a weakness on the interior offensive line, and I think that is really important. And that can help the edges a little bit. The inside zone, protecting lock up the gut. I mean. I really am excited about this interior offensive line and something that Munchak had in Pittsburgh with that offensive line being so good was pouncing into Castro at center and right guard. Now you've made an investment. You have some good interior guys, guys that are versatile too. I mean, you can pull traps, uh, kick them to the outside. All that interior offensive line besides Cushionberry, but both those guards can move a little bit. So there's, there's some interesting stuff they can do with the power run game there. So I'm excited about that. Yeah. And they're all good pass blockers. Right. All right. Any final thoughts before we get out of here? Um, nothing off the top of my head. I'm excited with the overall draft. Obviously, I think we're going to be covering this for a little bit longer here. I'm going to squeeze as much out of this lemon as we can because there's so much interesting stuff. I uh, do want to put I put this ticker on here. Wow, look how good I am with technology. I put it on there. Ooh. 34 probably <laughs> looks uh, scary as far as a, a number being printed there. But, it does. It does. I, like I said, my, my bones like started creaking and popping as soon as you put that up. How does it make you feel that KJ Hamler is not even 21 yet? That jerk. Or t- I think Jerry Judy's not 21 yet either. <laughs> Just some babies out there. So, yeah, I mean, I guess my only real comment is, gosh, an hour is nothing. I feel like we yeah. should be talking for another two hours here. Well, we're used being, to seven hours. Yeah. After being conditioned for the draft. I mean, that's absolutely a good point. Uh, again, Mile High Huddle, make sure you go get some – you're building the Bronco stuff. Carl, I'm expecting the hat next week uh, to be shown there. Maybe you can toss one my way. I need to get one myself here. But uh, go to <laughs> – huddleuppod.com to go get your BTB swag. Obviously, Chad coming in there. Thank you very much. Oh, Jerry Judy just turned 21. That's right. It was his birthday. So 
There you go. There but thank go. you guys so much. We really appreciate you. Obviously, we got a long offseason ahead of us, but we're still going to be coming here talking Denver Broncos with you, uh, future needs, how all these guys are going to fit together. We're going to be able to talk very specific. I mean, we're just touching the surface here. We're going to be going a mile deep. I know we're not the Dove Valley deep divers, but we're building the Broncos. So we're going to put it all together and figure out the best way to put these puzzle pieces together to knock down those Kansas City Chiefs and beat the lowly uh, – well, I guess the lowly Raiders as well. Uh, but anything, Carl, what are your birthday plans tomorrow? You said you're going to work a little bit. Give us the listeners what it's something going to go on. You going to have a little drink? Oh, well, of course. Got to have something. I'm sure my dad wants to grab a beer at some point. Um, yeah, sorry. He's in my circle of social distance people. He's been there. So <laughs> uh, wife's going to cook me supper. Not sure what she's cooking. The daughter probably wants to play some games at some point. Probably go for a walk with the dogs. You know, pretty, pretty simple. Unfortunately, you know, with everything that's going on, it's hard to do too much party wise. Um, But yeah, otherwise just kind of relax a little bit, watch some football, get some, get excited about our, our picks here. I saw a question earlier about uh, who do you double on this, this offense? That's a good question. Nobody will be coming. Let me play some games of Madden first and I will get to you, whichever one works the best. Honestly, I'm just going to be calling slot fades and throwing up the hammer or fans up the scene. Just way too fun. Those are easy points. Yeah. So, I've seen a lot of people show me, hey, uh, 34s, maybe not so bad. It's all about our perspective here. Absolutely. Just <laughs> like the are. offensive tackle people coming in. Hey, the Broncos yeah. offense got better. Yeah. That's a positive. So we probably should wrap it up here, guys. Follow the birthday boy, Carl, on Twitter, at Carl Dumbler, MHH. And follow myself, at Nick Kendall, MHH. I've had multiple articles drop. Recently, Carl's got some film pieces coming out. Uh, go to milehighhuddle.com to find those pieces. Obviously, we're affiliated with Sports Illustrated. Uh, go to iTunes and leave us a rating and a comment as those mean the world to us. I still go and check those probably once a week just to see if anything new is there. And if there's any cr- criticisms as well, I take those to heart. Uh, you can follow the Building the Broncos podcast and all our other great audio content by subscribing to the Huddle Up podcast wherever you listen to your shows. Follow us on Twitter at milehighhuddle and at BTB Football Pod. For Carl, I'm Nick wrapping up. Our first post-2020 draft edition of the Building the Broncos, the podcast. Obviously, we're still going to be talking about it going forward for a little bit and start turning our focus here to the 2021 season, which stands to be one of the most exciting ones since the Broncos won the Super Bowl. So excited to be here for you guys and you know carry that flag with you guys uh, towards the season. We hope you guys enjoyed it. We'll see you soon. You've been listening to Building the Broncos. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.